Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hi, it's Richard and Linda Ayer on the road, and it's we are on the road this week. It's been a fun week. We are at a beautiful spot. We're looking out now at a sunny, gorgeous day in Indian Wells, California, which is right by Palm Springs, and but we're not here just to fool around. We're here on a mission, right? We're here on a, uh, an important task. Somebody has to do it. Right. It is incredible how important this is. We are at the National Grass Court Tennis Tournament. For old guys. Well, yeah. Just don't say how old. Sort of, sort of old. Um, starting at age 60. But, man, there are a lot of good pl- tennis players here. And Playing on grass is a totally different oh game. Oh my right? goodness! And they come from all over the world. I played a guy, a Czech, a Czechoslovakian, the other day, and um, boy, he was good. They must play a lot of tennis in the Czech Republic. Yeah, but it's been fun, and um, you know, it's good to. I think one thing that travel does is it refreshes your perspective in a way, don't you think, honey? I do think, and especially when we've not seen this gorgeous green and hundreds of thousands of palm trees. For those of you who have not been to Palm Springs, it is really a treat. Um, We're just overlooking a golf course while it's snowing in Utah. It's miserable. They're so um, cold out there, and it's not really hot here, but it is so much nicer. We have loved being here. Seen a couple of movies and had some time to relax a little bit. And it's one of the few times we've traveled lately without needing to give any speeches. Which although I think is nice. Although I should say we are we're into something that is really important and it reflects on the on the book and on the subject we're going to talk about today about finding more balance, more more life balance, and. Um, this has been, I guess we can be, per- I feel like on this show we can be very personal. It's like, hey, we're just us and you're just you and we're just talking to you like friends. And this is our year of, we call it refurbishing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's kind of a funny word, but there are just a few parts of us we're breaking down and we're we're using the year 2019 to fix them up a little bit. And that will make 2020 a year of clearer vision. 2020, get it? So here we go. Well, and I have a brand new knee. I think we may have mentioned that, but it's progressing along. We're 11 weeks in, and it is still hurts, but it's okay. And uh, it's doing better all the time. And it's good to have that done. I'm I, proud I of you, ruined it coming down Mount Kilimanjaro 20 years ago. I've been dragging this knee around for 20 years. Tw- coming down condition. Kilimanjaro really did it. Your knee. It and did. It's been it's been getting a little worse and a little worse, and we just decided this is the year we're going to take care of that. And we've we've both got some new diet ideas. We've got some new exercise ideas, but that's not our subject today. Well, but it kind of is because we're talking about life balance. We're talking about how to balance our lives, and right. there are years when you really can't take care of <laughs> of a bad knee. You just got to go on being a mother and a grandmother. But then there are times when you can do something about it, and we're, we've kind of come to that. And also we've come to a new crossroads in 
our life balance lives because you're starting a new program that's really based on the life balance book. Yeah, that's true. We'll tell you a little more about that in a while. We're doing some experiment, uh, experimenting with groups of people who are sort of changing their paradigm from wanting to control everything and wanting to own everything and wanting to be independent. We're trying to move away from that to a more spiritual paradigm. And, but that's sort of the PhD sort of uh, highly advanced form of life balance. We want to talk about balance a little bit today on a very basic level and on the level where we really need it in our families because you know us, we're always about families. Every subject we talk about relates back to that. But you can start, I mean, the word balance, honey, is such a, it's such an interesting, critical word, and it, it affects everything. I mean, even in this tennis tournament, you know, people who, the best tennis players, if you really watch them at any age, even, even my advanced age, they're the ones that are in balance, the ones that it's balance that really matters. It's, you watch basketball, and the people that are in balance all the time are the ones who are consistently good. It's just a, it's a wonderful word. And when you think of it physically, it, you know, it means one thing, but then you apply it mentally and you apply it emotionally and, and spiritually. And it often involves balancing two things that seem to almost work against each other. And usually when you say to someone, do you need more balance in your life? They will jump to the conclusion that you're saying, well, I need to balance my time better between my work and my family the yeah. list goes on and on and that's hard to juggle that's that's a juggle instead of a balance well that is a ju juggle is one we're going to use two or three metaphors today and that's the first one the, the the balance of juggling which is you know can we keep all these balls in the air and for what it's worth you know, we've come to the conclusion that it's really not about getting to be a better and better juggler, you know. Oh, I can juggle a third ball, I can juggle a fourth one, I can juggle a fifth one, I can keep them all in the air. That's terribly hard. In fact, um, almost anyone can learn to juggle three balls because there's just one in each hand and one in the air. And if you practice it for a little while, you can learn it. I talked to a juggler the other day who said very few can learn to juggle four. That takes exceptional hand-eye coordination and virtually no one. Uh, you have to be almost a physical freak to be able to juggle five or six. So if you apply that to life, maybe instead of trying to figure out how to juggle one more thing, one more thing, be a better time management person, just stay awake longer, sleep less, get more, keep more balls in the air. That is not the way to go. In fact, the way to go is to limit the number of balls you're trying to juggle. Get it down to only three things that really matter. Well, for mothers, too, I think what I felt like is I had so many plates spinning. Um, That's as a another little good tiny girl, yeah. I remember seeing on the Ed Sullivan Show a guy spinning all these plates, like 10 plates at the same time. I don't <laughs> know how he did it. But that's what it feels like as a mother because there's so many things pulling at you from every direction. And there's just inevitable a plate's going to fall yeah. and more and more. That is a great metaphor because that's how we feel when we're trying to do it. Well, both of them are because, you know, when you're juggling and you just can't keep them all in the air, you know you're going to drop one and so on. Or the spinning of plates because it might be even better because you're, 
That's how your life feels. Everything's just, spinning. Yeah, whirling around and you have control with two hands, but you need five or six hands to make things work. So, so that's the first kind of balance. And we want to apply all these to family, but the, the first one I want you to think about is balancing your time between these various things. And again, the key we believe is to get it down to a small number of things you're trying to balance. And we've worked with so many audiences on this. And when you say, what are the things that you don't want to drop? And they start listing things. You start putting them on the board and the list gets longer and longer. Oh, we got to have politics up there. You got to have church up there. You got to have, you know, your family up there. You got to have your work. You got to have your investing. And most important, your spouse. Yeah. And then you do it. It just goes on and on and on. And, and so instead, we, we, we change the question and we say to the audience, well, what about, what if you only could only could have three? What if you could only have three balls to juggle? What would they be? And it's interesting, Linda, they usually will jump. Well, one has to be your family, clearly, your, your most important relationships. One has to be your work because we go to work. We do things, you know. What is the third one? And there you get into difficulty. Oh, it's got to be church. No, it's got to be this. It's got to be that. And kind of comes down to the third one is yourself. Whatever you've decided you are and what matters to you. So the self one could be, church calling and health and staying in shape or whatever you have designed as the ideal you, then when you have it to three like that, it becomes at least possible to say, I can juggle those three things. I can balance my time and my mental energy between, you know, family, work, and self. And for women, Work could be work outside the home or work could be the home and keeping things rolling there and and managing children. And even if you're a working mom, you still have to manage children. It really gets so complicated, but it is so important to put it into three baskets and then know which basket to put that that requirement at that moment in. And it really simplifies your life. So we're going to give you one thing that, that's really helped us and, and hopefully a lot of other people who have tried this. And that is to just change a little bit the way you plan your day. And if you're a list maker, that's fine. Making lists is a great way to not forget things and get things done. But if you notice, usually the, the name of that list is things to do. And that's the problem with it. They are things. And we and so much of our time is sucked away by things. Oh, my gosh. We get so occupied with things to do. They're the list, and I don't know where you're putting yours, but some people can do it in their minds. I have to write it down. But the, the thing is, type A personalities have yeah. been known to do something not on their list and then write it down and check it off so that they can feel like they've really, really done something. They planned it even though they really didn't. And so those are, we call those have to do's and every day we have a lot of have to do's and it's good to list them. All we're going to suggest to you is one step before that, make a small list of only three choose to do's. Now, a choose to do is very different than a have to do. It's not something that is on your schedule. It's not something someone else is planning on. It's not a duty or an obligation. It's something you decide to do. You choose to do it because it's important to you. So the exercise is simple. Before you make your list of things to do or have to do's, just have three little lines on your paper or in your mind. It's best to write them down, though. And what is one thing you choose to do that day for your family? What, and these are need-based, right? Who, who among my children or my spouse or those I love most, 
who needs something today and can I do some little thing about it? Second, what is a choose to do for my work? Now, these are not the things you've got to do. Or if you're a woman who's staying at home or a man who's staying at home, these are not the household duties or the workplace duties. This is one thing you think about. What does someone need? Maybe there's a person you didn't thank who helped you the other day on a project. Maybe there's someone who needs a compliment. It's, it's a choose to do for work. And finally, the third one, a choose to do for yourself. What's something I need? Not something I want. What's something I really need? Maybe it's a little rest. Maybe it's exercise. Maybe it's a prayer. Maybe it's, you know, but the point is thinking about three choose to do's or need based things in the three areas of stewardship before you make your long list. And then it kind of releases you from the, I have to do all this stuff today. It just releases you from that because you at least have three things that you're going to do. And they're the most important things. They're the most important things. It may not take a long time like your other have to do things are going to take, but it really is amazing that what it does for your soul when you think, I choose to sit down and read a scripture or read this book that I have been that's my, my choose to do for today that's for myself I to do. and I, you know what it does Linda it, it redefines what a what a perfect day is or what a good day is a good day is not when you check every single thing off your list that would be kind of a boring day in a way although some of us long for that it would be a day when I did my three choose to do's and I got to as many of the things to do as I could yeah, absolutely. And it does make a big difference. You think, well, you know, how much how much good would that do? It's amazing the good that it can do if you choose three things and you accomplish them each day. Now we're only halfway done with the show, and that's a good thing because time balance between all the things we're supposed to be responsible for is only one kind of balance. We want you to consider in the second part of the show um, – the question of, are you balanced between structure and spontaneity? Are you balanced between relationships and achievements? Is your body balanced? Is your spirit balanced? Is your, are your emotions balanced? So hang in there with us. We're going to take a brief break. And then, Linda, the second half is going to be even better. So hang on. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back today talking about life balance, one of the great topics of our lifetime. You should probably mention, Linda, that uh, this book was a replace that we wrote a book called Life Balance, or I did, and you helped me a lot in it. It was almost a rebuttal to an earlier book I'd written. That sounds funny. But there is one book, and I we mentioned it on the show before, that I wish I hadn't written. You are silly about that. You wrote that when you were a kid, and it was good for kids, for young. I mean, I think when we were in well, Boston, I was, I we was in students. Late twenties, we really early thirties, struggling. I wrote this book called Life Planning. I wish I could go buy all those books and burn them. Now, honey, I well, have read that again. Well, it's good advice. No, it's, just it's presumptuous that it's for that time. Of no, it's it, it assumes that you control everything and you can have a plan and get a goal and work toward it and get everything done. You can act, not react. You don't need to 
you know, pay any attention to anything except what you're trying to do. I hate that book. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. Okay, I'll quit arguing. But you're never going to get them all back, and uh, I probably did some good here. Well, I'm serious, though, that one of the motivations for, for a book that we wrote subsequent to that, this life balance, was to sort of correct, you know, the whole idea that you can control everything and own everything and, you know, just sort of be in charge and, and and be independent, and it's just so wrong. And so the whole idea of balance, on the other hand, is balancing your achievements or the things you're trying to accomplish with your relationships and figuring out a way to not be so caught up with your agenda that you fail to notice there's other people around you and they have needs and they have an agenda and they have things they want to do. And so balance is not about backing off, but it's about moving forward, but with not just yourself in mind. Right. And um, I think we started out thinking about executives need balance and so on. And, And as we went forward with this book, we realized how important it was that housewives that stay-at-home moms that working moms single moms you know everybody single people um everybody needs balance in their life and it really um i think we we helped ourselves by thinking this through well and we we were now in familiar territory because we were really writing about our own life and our own pursuit and, and you know we were able to go back and we were able to trace how these things came evolved in our own minds. I mean, without getting into a long story, while I was at Harvard Business School, I used to admire this one professor I had. I'm sure he's not alive anymore, so I'll use his name, Sterling Livingstone. I did admire him. I genuinely did, because he was a take charge. He was a structured guy. He would say, if you plan it well enough, and if you have a strong enough goal, and if you have enough contingency plans, no one can stop you. And I was so attracted. I was 23 years old, right? And that was like, <laughs> yes, give me more of that. And then that year, between my two years in, in Boston, um, I went, to, actually it was before my two years in Boston, but the contrast was so great because I had met a couple in Hawaii named Rusty and Honey who were bona fide Hawaiians who didn't think at all for the future and didn't try to control anything. They, they picked me up when I was hitchhiking once on the big island and took me all the way from Hilo to Kona, all the way across the island, 10 hours showing me things along the way, spontaneous. They were like children, but in the best sense of the word. And I remember asking him after this rusty was his name after we got all the way to kona why how how is it that you were able to take me all the way here and he said oh uh, i was i was just going to the grocery store (laughs) but he said i can go to the grocery store tomorrow and i can't take you to kona tomorrow and i'm thinking wait a second this is like the polar opposite of professor livingstone who says you should control everything this is Rusty saying you shouldn't control anything. You should just take life as it comes. And I spent the rest of the summer trying to decide, did I want to be 
Professor Livingstone, or did I want to be rusty? And as I remember, I remember seeing a picture of you standing by your surfboard. You kind of might have <laughs> leaned toward rusty. Toward rusty. But then we discovered a wonderful word, and we won't get into it in a long way today. We'll talk about it on another show. But the word is serendipity, which essentially means not the meaning you see in movies or articles or popular culture, but the real meaning of serendipity means a state of mind whereby a person, through being aware and sensitive, frequently finds something better than the thing he is searching for. So in other words, you can be Professor Livingstone and Rusty. You can have a goal, have a plan, be proactive, but you can keep your mind and your heart and your senses open to the needs of others, to other opportunities, to ideas, and and you don't resist getting off of your track and pursuing something you couldn't have planned because there it is in front of you. Spontaneity, but in the context of serendipity. And, and looking for things that are serendipitous. It especially is important when you feel like you've run into a disaster, some kind of a disaster. Yeah, yeah. And you just think, oh, this is the end. Oh, this is the end of the world. And then suddenly you see something that you never could have seen had that disaster not happened. Happens a lot in families. It happens, happens a lot with children. Yes. You have to be serendipitous as a parent or you go crazy because you can't plan what those children are going to do. You can't plan their moods. You can't plan when the teaching moment is going to present itself. Right. And you can't plan who you're going to meet or what's going to happen. I remember one day I got off of a plane. I got all the way off and realized I'd left my phone in the very back pocket, mm. the very back of the plane. And they escorted me back, and I went back, and, and there was a stewardess there. And I'll be darned, in two minutes we found out we were related. I mean, that was that is really strange, but it was really one of those like, ah, oh, so serendipity. You've all experienced things like Crisis that. Crisis turned into opportunity. Yeah. People who notice things. I mean, that's how penicillin was discovered, antibiotics, because one man named Alexander Fleming happened in a big laboratory. There are a lot of other people there. He's the one that noticed that the window was left open. Some mold blew in, landed on the Petri dish, started killing bacteria. And because he noticed that, antibiotics came about and so many scientific discoveries are that way if you talk to entrepreneurs they would like to tell you oh i got this idea and i planned it out and it was an analytical process and i knew beforehand just what it was going to be that isn't usually true in most cases people who start new companies or who, who find new ways to do things just notice something that everyone else missed that's a niche. Oh, that's that's a product. That's something people need. And it's all about awareness. And there's a lovely word, sagacity, which just means you're wise and you're watchful and you see things. And if you add that, that allows you to be someone who has a plan, but who knows the plan is imperfect and you're watching for ways to make it better. And in fact, when I remember when you're presenting this to audiences years and for years and years, you were saying, okay, so today, by tomorrow, find six serendipities. And I'm like, every day, every day, every day, <laughs> honey, 
you start with two. I mean, but it is amazing when you're looking for something that's serendipitous. That's um, different way of saying it it really is there it's but it right doesn't in front have of to you. be a big idea no Linda. just something I mean, it little. can be a sunset you can notice a, a beautiful sunset that you might not have noticed if you were i mean it's like a lot of people have these blinders on and all they see is their list the thing they want to do right and and it's nice that they're focused on their goals but they're missing a lot of other stuff Right. And I think the metaphor for this one, I love that you talked about the spinning plates and the juggling for balancing our time and our mental energy. But the metaphor for this is like a tightrope walker. Now, there's a guy with balance, right? You're walking across a, right. a tightrope or, a, a, you know, sometimes they're even loose ones now. They walk on slack lines and they can keep their balance. And they're trying to keep the balance between structure on the one hand in this metaphor and spontaneity on the other hand you got to have that balance if if you were only spontaneous you'd be rusty you'd be a hawaiian sort of surfer dude right and, yeah. and you'd get up in the morning and you'd say hey i wonder what will happen to me today <laughs> bro and having a lot of fun but getting nowhere but if you were on the other extreme if you were you know um if you were out there being professor livingstone and getting up every morning, what can I accomplish today? It's all about me and my plans. Those are extremes, and serendipity is the quality that brings you to the middle, where you have a plan, right. but you balance the structure with the spontaneity. And some people can make it work on both ends. I love Rusty and Honey. I've, I've, I feel like I know them personally, <laughs> even though I wasn't there. I would like to but go back and find them. I think that sounds fun. Anyway, um, it's something to think about to make your life interesting and more exciting. If you feel like things are getting stale, start looking for serendipity because it is always there. And you know, Linda, the thing that sort of brings together all these kinds of balance, the sort of fundamental core of balance is balancing relationships with achievements. Because, you know, some people are all about getting it done and achieving and that's where they get their satisfaction that's where they get their sense of well-being and that's fine but if if you prioritize those things and we run into a lot in our speaking we're with a lot of very successful people who are further along in life and we hate it when we see sort of their regret that they put all their time into their business or their finances or their portfolio and they didn't spend enough time with those children. And of course, children, you know, studies will tell you that an average parent spends one fifth of his life with the child, about 18 years, and will live to be in his 80s. So the other four fifths, he doesn't have the child, yet he has failed to prioritize and give the time that child needed and same in marriages yeah, so many marriages can't take that time because, back yeah yeah and so don't you think that's the core of it balancing relationships and achievements i do absolutely and there's so much that we can do in each of those yeah um you when you first told me that we should write down our relationship with each other in five years from now what we wanted to what kind yeah, of relationship yeah, we wanted to have yeah. i just thought Oh, shoot. <laughs> I, I don't want to do that. I can't. That's too hard. I can't think. But it really is a great exercise. Yeah. It is so interesting because, and even if you just write it once and put it away and hardly even look at it, 
when you go back and open up just because it's in your mind this is the kind of relationship I want to have with this spouse or with this child in five years from now somehow and magically not always but but usually comes to pass well it's like you know that's the I'm glad you brought that up Linda because an achievement goal and a relationship goal are very very different right usually an achievement goal is with numbers you know I want to make a million dollars so I will have to make half of that in this number of time or whatever. Or it's like, you know, getting to a promotion or getting to anything, you know, learning to play a piece on the piano. Anything you achieve can be sort of measured quantitatively. But, but a relationship, the only way we've ever figured out to write a relationship goal is to write a description of how you want your relationship with your spouse or with one of your children in five years. And then keep thinking about that, and you begin to gravitate toward the relationship you've just described. Absolutely. And is Life Balance on Iris Free Book? Yes, it is. And I, I was going to say that any of you who want to go further with this subject, this book that we did years ago, but I think it's even more relevant today Life Balance, and you can get it for free on iresfreebooks.com. That's our whole goal, is to make anything worthwhile we've ever written available for free, and that's the case with the book Life Balance. So we hope we've given you a few things to think about this week. We appreciate your tuning in. We feel like you're part of our family. Anybody that will listen to us, part of our family. <laughs> so right. we wish you the very best on Balance this week, and we'll see you again next time. And the one thing that'll help you as a parent and a spouse more than anything else is this emotional, spiritual balance between relationships and the achievements. Go for it. See you next time. Bye-bye. Okay.